0: Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. So great to have you with me here in this new year. Let's get to it. I, like you, am deeply grieved by what has happened in Israel, what is happening in Gaza, uh, and the resulting upheavals around the world. I have always, because I love... Middle Eastern cultures and spent a lot of time in the Middle East, both in Israel and especially in the Arab world. I've spent more time in the Arab world and in the Kurdish world uh, more than I have in Israel. But I love these cultures. I love these people groups. If you know me at all, you know I've worked with the Kurds for years, uh, deeply devoted to them. And so I hate what's happened in the Middle East. On an ongoing basis, I've always hated the violence and the bloodshed, October 7th was a particularly vile day when a peace treaty was broken and Hamas began to murder innocent uh, Israeli civilians. And now we've got more bloodshed going on as Israel goes into Gaza with the intention of removing Hamas. It is ugly and I despise it and I'm sure that you are grieved by it as well. I want to talk about something that has arisen because of this, but not about this in specific. I talk a lot about the Middle East in this podcast, have written about the Middle East, uh, appear on television about the Middle East. And so I'm certainly not shrinking from the topic, but I'm interested in something else right now. Because a good thing has happened, especially in the West, because of what has happened that is so horrible in Israel and in Gaza. Let me back up and reset to set the direction for this talk. I want to say from the top that I love higher education. I love learning. I love a university setting. I love what the university, the idea of the university has meant to the Western world. I am, despite having a body that looks like a, a slightly overweight defensive lineman, I am a bookish person. I love learning uh, I don't have to give you my resume every time I bring up a topic, but, you know, I, I've worked at universities. I've lectured. I've had the privilege of lecturing at most of the great universities in the world. I've recently had a role as a senior fellow for public leadership at an American university. I've got a doctorate. My books are used at universities. I believe in higher education. So don't hear me being some troglodyte in what I'm about to say who is anti-intellectual and anti- universities However. Having said all that and giving all my bona fides and all that uh, assurance that I'm not crazy and that I'm committed to education, I am aware of something that has been happening in Western universities because I'm involved in education that the average person who does not have a more direct relationship with higher education may not be aware of. And what's happened since October 7th, what's happened uh, because of the Hamas incursions into Israel, has caused a truth to surface and fill our headlines and become obvious to the average person. And that I am glad about. You see, when a revolutionary force seeks to take over a society, they always try to capture what are sometimes called, and I like this phrase, capture the robes R-O-B-E-S, the robes. If you're going to try to take over a society, you want to capture the clergy. That's robe number one. You want to capture the judiciary. That's robe number two. And you want to capture academia. That's robe number three. In fact, you might try to do it in the reverse order. Get in the universities first so that then you end up affecting the other two robes. And so those of us who are near universities, those of us who pay attention to these trends, those of us who read the journals and have friends and hire academics and talk about these things a great deal over a hamburger, we are aware that there has long been, especially in America, but in the entire Western world, an attempt to capture the universities by neo-Marxist, extreme left-leaning forces. Most people are unaware of that. Universities are relatively sleepy places. They are normally nice campuses. The average person in a society thinks of a university as being about pendants and football teams and basketball teams and frat house parties and uh, graduation ceremonies. They know education is going on over there. Maybe they know a professor, uh, but they don't have a whole lot of connection. They certainly don't know what's actually being taught. They The average person is certainly not thinking about what's being taught in political science and what's being taught about sexual ethics and what's being taught about religion. In fact, it's axiomatic that the average uh, Christian family, for example, in America routinely will send their kids at great expense to universities that then spend a great deal of time undoing the faith that is at the foundation of the family to begin with. You send your children off to a university uh, at your peril if you don't know what that university is actually teaching. And most people don't. How would they know? They can't go to the bookstore and get the books. They can't sit in the classes. Uh, kids aren't coming back and, and saying, well, here's what I learned, that it's terrible. I mean, it's rare that a, a child would ever do that with his parents, his or her. So most people are not aware of what's happening in university campuses, Well, so recently when three Ivy League university presidents, all female, uh, appeared before Congress and could not make a statement that anti-Semitism and the slaughter of Jews is somehow prevented by their ethical statements at the university, that they they could not even show that they were anything less than bloodless academics sitting there before Congress— Congress was begging for some assurance that these universities had hedges, had guards, had policies that would make violent anti-Semitism disallowed, punished, dealt with. And these people were classic academics. I'm sorry to say it that way. Classic academics in the negative sense. I think academics is a good thing. And I love my academic friends and, and the people I work with. But what I'm saying is the average person does not know what they saw before Congress. They were shocked. They were horrified. These people, these professors, these presidents of universities, Ivy League, some of our top university universities, these presidents could not say it's wrong. We condemn it and we would not allow it. That's all that Congress was looking for. No, no, no. It depends on the context. Well, it's a First Amendment issue. Well, this, well, that. And now, of course, you probably are tracking this to some degree because it's in the headlines. The president of Harvard turns out uh, to have been a serial plagiarist in her academic career, not really qualified for her role. And it's horrible to have to say this stuff because she's an African-American woman. I should pause and say real quick, for those of you who might be new to this podcast, if there's anything I want to see as the president of the university, it's a good, vibrant, happening, strong uh, leader, black woman woman. Absolutely. Love it. Just like I want to see a black man or a white man or a white woman, whoever's strong and vibrant and gifted and can lead these universities. And the more people of color we've got, the better, Uh, the more people who are qualified and yet who are from populations uh, and ethnicities where we, we haven't seen a lot of that, the senior levels of academics, hot dog. I celebrate every Native American, every Hispanic, every black, every, you understand what I'm saying, every Asian. I'm with it. That's great. Love seeing it. But they got to be qualified. They got to be good. They got to have some courage and they got to have an ethical system and they got to be able to lead well. Clearly, that's not what's happening with these university professors. So now what you've begun to have uh, because of what's happening in Israel is you've begun to have these riots. You've begun to have an upheaval. You've begun to have huge portions of the faculty and the student body uh, basically protesting, not not just protesting Israel's violence. Uh, settlements and their incursion into Gaza, oh, no, no, being pro-Hamas, students tearing down pictures of POW children, POW children grandmothers that are posted on bulletin boards jewish grandmothers in other words if somebody put a picture of a jewish grandmother who's somewhere in the bowels of the tunnels underneath gaza and someone wanted to say bring this person home bring this person back let's 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 get these people back these these hostages oh no People from our top universities, students and faculty, would would be found tearing these pictures down and chanting in support of Hamas and chanting in support of Hezbollah. And I began to get phone calls, as I've said on this podcast before. I began to get phone calls from yarmulke-wearing Jewish friends who said, what in the world is going on? I've supported this school. I've sent money to Penn. I've sent money to Harvard. I've sent money to the University of Chicago. I've sent money to Columbia. And now they're grieved because they realize what hotbeds of neo-Marxism, anti-Semitism many of these schools are. Well, I'm sorry for the pain, and I'm, I'm sorry for uh, the dislocation, and I'm sorry maybe even for the guilt that some people feel because they've given money, uh, huge money to some of these schools. But I'm not sorry that there is an awakening happening where people are realizing that just because a school has a name doesn't mean it's a good thing. Just because a school has a name doesn't mean it's a good thing. And I'm not going to target any one particular school in this podcast. That's not my goal. But my goal is to say to you, yes, a neo-Marxist, left-leaning way of thinking that is contrary to what most people in the West value, particularly conservative Americans, by the way, has absolutely crept into the universities and many of the universities that people might esteem, people even listening to this podcast are proclaiming values contrary to what you believe. It is incumbent upon you. It is essential that you know what a university teaches before you send your child there, but beyond that, before you support it. For example, I'm recording this in Nashville right now. I'm in our Nashville studios. And down the road is Vanderbilt University. Have a lot of friends from Vanderbilt. My lawyer went to Vanderbilt. You know, a lot of people I know and are friends with went to Vanderbilt. I've guest lectured at Vanderbilt. I watched their football team and their basketball team. Have had friends who are coaches, et cetera, et cetera. I can go on and on. Their baseball team is storied. Um, okay, whenever you live close to a university, you know, you have some affinity for it, right? You talk smack, you have fun, you watch the games, you eat popcorn. So, you know, I don't spit every time I drive past Vanderbilt, but but... I have a connection with them. And I've lectured a lot, spoken in their university, uh, spoken in their classes and seminars and things like that. However, a few years ago, Vanderbilt, which is increasingly left-leaning on the extreme, passed a policy, established a policy that required that any student organization that was going to be welcomed on campus had to have... Policies internally, these these student organizations, so that any student of any description could be the head of that or that campus organization. What am I trying to say? Uh, I'm going to be extreme to make a point. This policy meant that if you had a student Christian group, that Christian group would have to have policies internally that a Jewish uh, student or a Hindu student Or a gay atheist, not that those two go together, I'm just making stuff up, could potentially be the head of that organization or the organization would not be allowed on campus. So basically, Vanderbilt, in one swift move, drove off campus definitely all Christian organizations and many other kinds of Jewish, Muslim, et cetera, organizations Because obviously, if you've got, and again, I'm just making up things to illustrate, if you've got the Muslim Student Union, for example, I'm making that name up, you expect a Muslim is going to be the head of that organization. You don't want an evangelical Christian to be the head of the Muslim Student Union, and reasonably so. But Vanderbilt says, oh, no, no, the Muslim Student Union's got to have policies internally that would potentially allow an evangelical Christian to be in the lead. Well, that's crazy. Or the Jewish student union. Or the black student union has to have the possibility for a white person to be in charge. What sense does that make? These organizations are about a certain identity and championing the cause of a students of that type. So the Asian American student, Vanderbilt student organization has to be headed by potentially, what, my child, my grandchild? Uh, white, Christian, what sense does that make? That doesn't make any sense. It's not bigotry. But no, no, no. A kind of a, well, our cool new word is woke, kind of a woke, neo-Marxist, weird view of equality means that you have to have your organization set up so anybody can lead it. Well, that's just crazy. And they wouldn't do that with the presidency of Vanderbilt, I can assure you. So Vanderbilt has a, an organization, by the way, founded by conservative Methodists in the 1800s, has now gone weird. So yeah, it's my it's a local university, one of 16 uh, colleges or universities in Nashville. We have a lot to be affiliated with. But you should know, and I'm not picking on Vanderbilt, I'm just saying this is what an example of what happened. Well, when that happened, a lot of parents who had just sent their kids to Vanderbilt because it's a, you know, Southern Ivy League kind of reputation, has a great literary reputation, great writing program, uh the Southern Agrarians from earlier in the last century, you know, storied writers and People, especially locally, sent it because it was a top university. It was down the road, and it was somewhat Southern, and it had a baseball team. Well, they found devastation happening in their kids' lives. Devastation. Because it's not Southern or balanced or—you understand what I'm saying. It's not moderate. It's extreme in almost every department. It's law school. It's religion school. Well, again, I'm not trying to pick on Vanderbilt as though it's the only one. Many universities are this way. And it took the uprisings coming out of the October 7th Hamas incursion in Israel and the response and support of that incursion for people to say, what in the world is going on on the American university campus? What in the world is going on on the Western university campus? You've got neo-Marxist advocating violence. You've got people chanting about an intifada. You've got people chanting about bloodshed. You've got people um, literally talking about the death of Jews. By the way, in universities that take government funding, all major universities in the United States take government funding in all, all sorts of forms. But wow, that's funding things that are not just things I don't agree with. That you know, I mean, I've got friends who head Catholic universities. I don't agree with Catholics and everything. I'm, I'm Protestant, but that's that's a different level of disagreement than finding out. That a major American university that I might have supported, I didn't, but I might have. I'm saying in theory, has actually got faculty members that are pro the death of Jews, and that by the way, I'm not that's that part I'm not making up. Faculty members have actually been out there chanting about death to Israel, death to Jews. My point is that universities should not be some little kingdoms of unaccountability, some little kingdoms that are not available for scrutiny by those who fund those universities or by even people from, from government when government pours just untold money into American higher education. So I want to make this practical for you. I'm not just on a rant. Know the school you support. Know what it teaches. Ask about your field. You're a lawyer. Great. What are they teaching in law? What are they teaching about the First Amendment? What is their what are their what's their view of legal realism and sociological jurisprudence? What what is their what is their what are their view? What are, they, what are they teaching in American history? What what are they teaching in political science? What, what what's the lean? Are, do they have true freedom of speech on that campus? Is there equality? How are Jews treated? How are Christians treated? How are Muslims treated? How are Blacks treated? How are Whites treated? How are Asians treated? How are women treated? What about Title IX and sports? Are they letting six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound males participate on the lacrosse, female lacrosse team? Is that what they're doing? Just recently, there's been a new ruling in the American boxing uh, community that biological males can can box women. You're talking about the potential to kill people. What's going on? Ask the question. These are university professors. They're not priests. <laughs> they're not they're not some high and holy other universe kinds of people that you can't question. I'm not trying to turn us against all university professors. I are one. My point is, I want you to ask the question and know what your university believes, and especially before you give. Some of you listening to this podcast have given tens of millions of dollars to universities, and now you're weeping. Because you realize that money went to support a university that is basically anti-you. You're Jewish, you're conservative Christian, et cetera. The point is not to burn down all the universities, but the point definitely is to know what universities teach and to support what you believe in. There are a lot of good schools out there. You're going to have to do a little bit of work. You're going to have to ask some questions. You're going to have to consult some surveys and some lists and some reports, But don't just go to the local university and dump money on it just because you'd like to have your name on the door of something or on the the portal of a college and find that you're supporting the destruction of your own way of life or what you believe. That's crazy. I want to say, as I wrap this up, definitely support universities. Absolutely. I do. I hope you do. Uh, I hope to make a whole lot more money in my life. I hope to give a whole lot more money to higher education, but I've chosen the schools carefully. I know them. I have a relationship with them. I maybe guest lecture there. I can get inside. I can take faculty members to lunch and say, hey, tell me about this. What do you guys teach? What are you doing? What books are you using? I can walk through the bookstore. I can look at it. I can talk to the students. I want to support what I believe in. I want to endow the chair of historical studies at a university I believe in. You understand what I'm saying. I'm glad for this positive result of a great horror. And if one of the good things that comes out of October 7th and the Hamas incursion and the Israeli response in Gaza and the protests around the world is the people start waking up to what's happening at the universities they favor and start looking for other universities to support that are closer to their values and what they believe in and, and not centers of neo-Marxism and secularism, etc. that's a good thing. And I support it entirely. is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.